When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, joined by Ashley Bastock, and we are going to talk about the day that was in Berea. Of course, Ashley, you were out there, and let, let's just start here. Deshaun Watson kind of made headlines for what he didn't do today instead yeah. of what he did, instead of what we thought he would do. Uh, we thought this would be the day we'd hear from him for the first time since that 11-game uh, suspension settlement happened. Instead, he did not talk today. So I, I guess what was your reaction when, when you got there? And, it, you know, just we, we get a text every day with a list of people that are going to talk. So I guess your reaction when you saw the text and Deshaun's name was not on there. I wasn't really surprised, honestly. Like, I didn't think it would be that easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised they want to wait till later, till later in the week. Like, knowing how this team operates from an interview standpoint, I mean, Deshaun Watson hasn't talked to us since August 18th, I believe. Um, so it's been well over three months. And I think they know, he knows, a lot of these questions are going to be about the suspension and about off-the-field things still uh, because he hasn't played in a game yet and about going home. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they're just hoping to – we didn't get a reason. First of all, we'll say that. Kevin Stefanski was asked directly, and he kind of quipped, oh, well, that's that's PR's job. Uh, not It's not my department, um, which, to be fair, yeah, that's, that's correct. Uh, but – yeah, I wasn't really surprised. I will say that. I mean, it's a lot for anybody to have to deal with. I mean, he certainly has to answer these questions. Like, he's obviously the one who put himself in this situation. The Browns opened themselves up to this uh, by trading for him. But correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, like, as a starting quarterback, he's going to have to speak before the, the game. Otherwise, there could be a fine at stake there, potentially. I I think so. Um or he at least has to be available just like as a player on the roster. Like he's on the 53 man roster now. He, he's not suspended anymore. So he at least has to be available, um, you know, whether that's sitting at his locker. And of course the quarterback usually goes up to the podium. A lot of teams do it outside of the locker room. They'll bring him into their press conference room or whatever. Um, yeah. The, the quarterback is usually different, but yeah. just on a, on a player level, he he has to be available at some point during the week. Yeah, so I mean, presumably we are going to hear from him before uh, he the, he and the Browns go down to to face the Texans. But yeah, I just I kind of wasn't surprised. You know, I'd kind of had this feeling like, oh, everybody expects he's going to talk today. So so that's not going to be the case. And and it wasn't. You know, he he did make an appearance in the locker room. We saw him. He had his stopped at his locker for a few minutes. He had his headphones in. He was looking at his phone. You know, I, I wrote in my story that I just put up kind of about all the reaction to him coming back that, you know, it's like he was, he was in his own world almost just five feet away from the media scrum that wanted nothing more than to talk to him. 
Um, and I, I'm guessing that the Browns and he, he is also kind of hoping that he can maintain that level of focus when he goes into what we know is going to be a very, very extremely hostile environment on Sunday. So, you know, obviously on the outside and just, just kind of seeing reaction on Twitter, um, you know, I think a lot of, I think there is part of the fan that's like, they feel like this is kind of the woe is me media, right? Like complaining about him not talking, you know, why does it matter? Um, but I mean, I think it does matter. I think it does matter that he is now the starting quarterback and just for the sake of normalcy, like yeah, just put the starting quarterback up there. The questions are going to get asked, whether it's this week or next week, they're going to get asked. And the reality is they're going to get asked and then, at some point we've got to move on, you yeah. know? So I, I don't know. To me, it's just like, just get this thing over with as, as soon as possible. Right. And and kind of like we said, it's part of the rules. It's part of the standard. Like I, I'm not like bent out of shape that he didn't talk today. I mean, we still got, you know, it's just that that ended up being the story. Right. And we kind of talked about this last year when Baker, it was very different situation. So I'm being careful when I'm comparing the two and, and adding that disclaimer in the, in the front of it. But, you know, when Baker Mayfield did not do a press conference after that Lions game last year, and, and we kind of all railed against him, but it, it wasn't that we took it personally. It was just like, that's your obligation as, as a quarterback in this league. Like, what are you doing? And it, it kind of became the story with that not being the intention. So in, in ways, you know, you kind of see shades of that today, that, that him not talking was certainly noteworthy. And, you know, now it, it's kind of like with Baker. I'm sure when Deshaun Watson does talk to us, he's going to get asked, hey, why didn't you talk on Wednesday, the day that the quarterback normally talks ahead of a Sunday game? Yeah, it just created unnecessary drama where there didn't have to be any because, you know, as soon as that went out that he wasn't talking, there were a ton of texts from everyone in that room that Deshaun Watson wasn't going to talk today. Kevin got asked about it, which I'm sure I'm sure Kevin loves getting asked that question in a press conference. He doesn't want (laughs) to he doesn't want to get asked about that. Um, So it just creates an unnecessary sideshow. And like he might talk Thursday and okay, all is forgotten and whatever. But you just created this unnecessary drama that you didn't need to create. And I'll, there, there was a tweet today from, uh, I think it's pretty simple. Ben Axelrod from WKYC tweeted, Desha- Deshaun Watson should talk because it's a starting, starting quarterback's job to talk. That's my take. I mean, that, yeah. that is kind of the take, right? That is the take. And I mean, I think like I, again, I'm not to like relitigate the whole Baker Mayfield thing from last year, but I brought up when Baker Mayfield did this, like that quote from Mad Men, which is like one of my favorite shows where um, Elizabeth Moss is complaining to to John Hamm, Peggy compa- complaining to John Don Draper that he didn't thank her for something. And he's like, well, that's what the money's for. Like, you know what I mean? It is a job at the end of the day. And he's making a lot of money to do this. And it's part of the, you know, the, the roles of your job. If you were applying for this job on LinkedIn, if you were applying to be an NFL quarterback, doing weekly media availability and post-game media availability uh, would be part of the description. So yeah, like we said, we're going to hear from him eventually. These questions are going to be asked. Like that's why I always laughed at the concept of, of news dumps or like you, you hear reporters talk about Friday news dumps, right? Especially in news. Um, it's very common that that big press release is going to get dropped at like 4.30 on a Friday. Um, but it doesn't mean it's not going to be written about. It's just like more inconvenient for everyone involved, which maybe there is some kind of strategy in that. But in my experience, it's, it's going to be written about. It's going to be asked about. It's going to be talked about anyway. Um, you're just kind of adding another layer to it now. 
Yeah, I, th- I think the concept of the news dump in 2022 is <laughs> kind of yeah. quaint at, yeah. at this point. Um, but okay, so for the people that don't want to hear us talk about the the media side of this, here we are to the football side. You did get to watch Deshaun Watson practice today. So how did it look? My first thought walking out of there, and a few of us were talking about this, was just that I did noticeably feel like the energy was different with him. Like it felt like he was dipping the ball a little bit more, had the energy going with him, obviously, you know, getting more of those reps because we haven't really seen him get those reps in a meaningful way uh, in the lead up to this, even though he's been here, just because like, we know how Kevin Stefanski operates. The starter gets a majority of the reps and, and up until, you know, going through last week, Jacoby Brissett was still their starter. They had to get him ready to play against the Bucks. So um, I, I do feel like you notice that energy shift. And again, the portion of practice that we watch, you know, we're not seeing, it's not like training camp where we're getting to watch the whole thing. We're watching like individual drills and warmups and things like that. But I did notice, you know, the zip on the ball that he had that was there that we watched all throughout OTAs and all throughout mini camp and training camp. So that was definitely evident. It just felt like he does have this new energy from watching him from afar um, about him now that, you know, he knows his, his return is imminent in just a few days. Yeah. And I think that's something we haven't talked a lot about is sort of the, you know, we've talked a lot about the rest and, and we'll get into that in a minute here, but just this idea that Deshaun has sort of been waiting for this for, you know, almost two years. I think it's going to be 700 days yeah. like, to the day when he yes. steps on the field and you know, like, he's been waiting for this. And, you know, obviously this is of his own doing, right? He got himself into this situation, but it doesn't change the fact that he's been waiting to get back on the field for this long. And th- there's a certain energy that, that comes with that. And it sounds like you, you kind of saw that today. Yeah. And, you know, like Mary Kay wrote the great story on, on Quincy Avery, where she talked to him, his personal quarterback coach who he's been working with, you know, while he was suspended, who he's known since he was in high school. So it's not like Deshaun Watson has been, sitting at home, you know, watching the Browns on TV, like forlorn, like going to the gym by himself to work out. Like from what we know, it's been pretty intentional the way he's gone about this. He's still been working on things, but nothing replicates like being out there on a Sunday in front of the hundred thousand people plus, or, you know, doing, doing that and being out there with your teammates. And he hasn't done that since January, 2021, when he was still with the Texans, the end of that 2020 season that they went four and 12 in, um, so it's been a long time. Like it's understandable why that that excitement or that that extra energy that being reinvigorated is there for him because it really has been a long time since he's gotten to do this. Now, the last time we did see him do this was in Jacksonville, um, and Kevin was asked about that today. It didn't look great in Jacksonville. Obviously, we all remember. Um, what did Kevin have to say about that? Yeah, Kevin basically just said that, you know, that they weren't going to put too much stock into that, I don't think. Um, And more than anything, he said, you know, it was the first time of of getting the headset on and and Kevin being in his ear and and putting, you know, the uniform on again. Like that was his first, again, any kind of game action, like live game action against another team in 19 months at that point. So he, he just said he wasn't really going to put too much stock into it at that point. And, and it was also only three series. You know, I think he only, com- 
threw for seven yards at a really like low rating in the 30s. But when you talk about small sample sizes, this was it. And and he didn't have, you know, most of his offensive line with him, his pass catching weapons with him. I don't, Amari Cooper wasn't out there. Um, so I definitely think that is just such a small sample size that they're not really bothered by it. Maybe hoping that some of the cobwebs got shaken loose there, but just overall did not seem like he wanted to put too much stock into that. Yeah, and I think that makes sense because, I mean, look, as we know, football games are three hours long. Like, guys struggle all the time, and we've seen games where a quarterback just doesn't look good for even three quarters, three and a half quarters, and then they make some plays at the end. Or, you know, it every, every time out, it's not 60 minutes of greatness. It's, you know, there's going to be some ebbs and flows. When you give a guy four quarters, even if he looks rusty in the beginning – it can look really different as that game goes along. And so I think that's part of why we should be a little bit careful, put it like Kevin, putting too much stock in into what we saw against Jacksonville. Yeah, and it's, it's like he just didn't really have any time to really get into a flow in that game. Again, like with only three series that you're playing, that's just not long enough to get an idea for how any of this really is going to look. I mean, it's valuable in the sense that, again, it was like kind of his first experience of going through that and, and playing with these guys. But there's just so much more to glean from him and, and his ability and, you know, getting to use him in a whole game in a real regular season situation. So there's, there's certainly a lot left to, to be uncovered and for the Browns to figure out what's going to work for him, what's going to work with Kevin Stefanski calling plays for him uh, and all that stuff. And it's not like, I, I think it's not like that game is totally disregarded um, and I'm sure they took things away from it and, and things not to do <laughs> and stuff like that, but it's, it's not the end all be all. It's not like that they have the total glimpse of what he's going to look like here just from those three series. So Nick Chubb talked today, Denzel Ward talked today, JOK talked today. Did you get a sense from those guys? I feel like it's been so awkward the last couple weeks. It's like, hey, Jacoby's been awesome, but man, we're excited for Deshaun to come back. I, I feel a little bad for Jacoby Brissett. Um, but did, did you get a sense now that it's here that, that those guys really are kind of excited, especially Nick, to maybe get out there uh, and, and play with this guy? Yeah, Nick outright said I'm excited, which for a Nick Chubb answer, that's pretty uh, that's pretty honest. That's pretty hard-hitting stuff that you're going to get from Nick Chubb, a guy who famously uh, is maybe not the most uh, verbose with us media. But yeah, Nick talked a little bit about, you know, I think Nick is is one of those players that has the most to gain by Deshaun Watson coming back. And I think we've, we've speculated about that a lot. Um, I know when you and I were talking to Wyatt Teller after the game on on Sunday, he's the one that kind of made the comment that if opposing teams want to put eight in the box, good luck, you know, and, and it's true because Deshaun Watson has this arm talent. He has the ability with his legs. He can, you know, process really quickly for the RPO stuff. So it just makes it a lot harder. And in theory, it should open things up for Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on the ground. You know, I think the Browns don't want to get too carried away with what they're expecting necessarily, but I, I think it's kind of undeniable because it's like, how do you account for all of those moving pieces and parts literally on the ground? How do you account for all those moving pieces? And you kind of have to pick your poison, so to speak, I think. Yeah. Well, in, in Mary Kay's story um, that she wrote, and you can find that at cleveland.com slash Browns. Um, I mean, Quincy Avery was basically saying this. He thinks this is the most talented team Deshaun Watson has played on. Um you know, especially at that running back position, yeah. uh, the offensive line, he's got this talent around him. And I think the fact that that talent is at the running back position, or at least some of it, 
is really going to be a problem for defenses because, you know, you go back to the spring, we were seeing a lot of read option. We were seeing a lot of pistol. We were seeing just a lot of, a lot of wrinkles that if I'm a defender and I'm trying to figure out where the ball is and I've got to wait a split second, like that split second is enough for Nick Chubb to get into the second level or Deshaun Watson to get into the second level. Like there's just so many problems that it can cause. Yeah, we see it all the time. I mean, I talk about it a lot. Like Nick Chubb's elusiveness rating from PFF this year is like super high. Um, but that's the that's one of the big differences. You know, I, I always laugh. I think about when somebody asked Jacoby Brissett like this offseason, like, is it hard not to try to do too much and not try not to be Deshaun? And he was like, it's actually very easy for me not to be Deshaun. Like there are obviously a lot of physical differences between them, but like the Browns ability now to be able to design runs for Deshaun Watson, like that is going to be huge. And, and again, his ability just to like scramble, like Jacoby Brissett, we saw, I think to his credit could get the job done on the ground a little better than any of us maybe expected coming into this year. Uh, But when Deshaun Watson does that, it's just going to be something else, I think. And and like you said, with how elusive of a back Nick is and and Kareem Hunt too, if you hesitate, that's a guy who's going to bully you over anyway, even if you're right in front of him, if you're not there, like some of those runs he had even this past week, like it, it, there definitely, I think is going to be opportunities for them just because opposing defenses aren't going to know where the ball is sometimes (laughs) or hesitate because all those guys are kind of capable of similar things. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see, and I'm I'm curious to see too. You know, we know Kevin is a, is an aggressive coach, um, especially on you know on fourth downs. I just think as great as Jacoby was at the quarterback sneak, and maybe they should have Jacoby just be the designated sneaker like he was in Indianapolis. Some of these fourth and twos, fourth and threes, like I I just don't know. I mean, Kevin could overthink it. You know, like any play caller, and I'm not just targeting Kevin here. Play callers can overthink things. But, you know, I just – I think it's going to be really hard to stop the Browns when, when they get into some of those really short yardage situations where if they're effective on first and second down, it, you know, it, it's going to be almost impossible to stop them from moving the chains on the next two downs. Now I'm having visions of, like, when Mary Kay was advocating that the Browns should have a special package of plays for Joshua Dobbs, potentially. I'm having visions of me advocating for, like, what you said, Dan, make Jacoby Brissett your sneak guy. Just have him come in, get that little one-yard sneak. We saw it. It's automatic lately. Like, why not? Just do that. Maybe not Maybe not against the Bills. It was not automatic in that game. But most of the time it works pretty well. But, yeah, it's like it's you can see how – even if they don't do that, which I think would be amazing, um, they're they're going to be really, I think, at an advantage in those situations just for, for a myriad of different reasons and, and everything that Deshaun Watson can still give you there. Oh, I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss talking about the Josh Dobbs. And we're gonna, that's one of those things we're going to look back out. on, like, podcast headlines and be like, oh, my God, this was actually, like, a topic. If you remember, I at one point was saying, again, if the Browns started off like with only three wins, whatever their <laughs> record was, three and six or three and five, I don't know. Uh, I advocated for they should consider starting Josh Dobbs, and it was nothing against Jacoby Brissett at the time. I think we know uh, both things can be true at once. Like Jacoby Brissett is not some game-changing quarterback necessarily, but I think he lived up or more than lived up to the expectations we had for him here. Um, and again, like Scott Patsko says, wins and losses are not a quarterback stat. I do think he's one quarterback in particular where where you could point to, and and that was true. But yeah, man, those those Josh Dobbs podcast headlines are maybe not going to age so well after all. 
Well, one of these days, like in the middle of June, when we have no podcast topics, we're going to have Mary Kay and Scott just log on and argue about quarterback wins. We should do, we should also do like just old takes, our own version of old takes exposed, <laughs> that Twitter account. And just like, what was our worst take from the last year? And like, Ooh. defend yourself slash roast yourself. Like that might be mine. I'm trying to think if I had a worse one. I spent a whole off season advocating for Kareem Hunt as the slot receiver. Oh one yeah. Year. So that was... What are you going to do? All right, there we go. Deshaun Watson uh, back taking first team reps for the Browns. He will start on Sunday in Houston. Of course, we'll cover it all at cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, Ashley, I'll talk to you later. Hey, it's Dan. Had a little extra time here on this pod. So decided, hey, let's bring back the playoff committee of one. Uh, Let's get to it. These are my power rankings of the NFL. We do it college football playoff style. We pick one team, of course, atop each division. We pick four, I'm sorry, three wildcard teams. I guess I should know how many wildcard teams there are. We pick three wildcard teams. I can rank them in any order I want, though. We don't care about seeding as far as where division winners have to go. So let's get to it in the AFC. It's Kansas City, still number one. 9-2. Nine and two. They've got a good test this week for both them and the Bengals, who we will get to. Number two is Miami staying the same absolute domination over Houston, but eh, could have used a couple more points to hit that over. Uh, oh, well. Buffalo, number three. We're placing a bet here on the week that when they had to flee a snowstorm, play two games in Detroit in four days, and stole that Thanksgiving win, that it could be a galvanizing week for this team. So Buffalo stays at number three. At number four, Cincinnati, moving up from number six. It's put up or shut up time for the Bengals. The schedule gets tough here, and it starts with this game against Kansas City. Are they gonna pay off? Are they gonna pay off all of us who have believed in them all year? Or are we gonna be thinking that's it for the Bengals? Baltimore, number five at seven and four. They drop a spot. Are you like are you excited about this team? Because I'm not. They are just impossible to get a read on. My number six team, Tennessee. Also 7-4, and four, they drop from number 5. The South, believe it or not, is far from locked down. The Titans play the Eagles before they host the Jaguars, who could maybe fight their way back into this race. Uh, number 7, the LA Chargers. That's right, the LA Chargers were just constantly flirting with them. They've only lost to good teams with the exception of Jacksonville. Jacksonville might be good, uh, but they're kind of in that Baltimore zone of a team you can't quite figure out. My number 18, New England. I guess I trust them more than the Jets, but everything's going to sort out with those two here. Uh, New England, my first team out in the AFC. Over in the NFC, number one, Philadelphia, 10-1. and one. No movement here. The Eagles keep the top spot. No movement at number two either. It's Dallas. Home games against the Colts and the Texans and a road game in Jacksonville could set them up nicely for that Eagles matchup in week 16. My number three, San Francisco, staying there. An intriguing matchup against Miami this week. The 49ers have won four in a row. They've allowed 40 total points in those wins. Minnesota, my number four at nine and two. The top four staying the same in the NFC. I mean, look at the schedule they've got coming up. The only losses left are if they get in their own way. Number five is Washington, up a spot from number six. No idea what to do with the rest of this conference. So the Commanders, who have won six of seven, while Seattle has lost two in a row get the number five spot. Number six is Tampa Bay down a spot. Uh, the Browns and the Bucks actually both deserve to tie that game on Sunday, if we're being honest, but the Browns found a way to win while Tampa just keeps spinning its wheels. Seattle, my number seven team staying in the same spot. They need to right the ship against the Rams and the Panthers before they face the 49ers in a few weeks. And my first team out, number eight, the New York Giants. They've lost three out of four with the Commanders, Eagles, and Commanders again. 
and then the Vikings next. We might not see them here too much longer. Just to clarify, that's the Commanders, the Eagles, Commanders, Vikings. That's the order of, of those games. I know, you were on the edge of your seat uh, for me to read the New York Giants schedule. Okay, there we go. That'll do it for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here on a Thursday. Uh, make sure you're subscribed here wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And of course, make sure you're a football insider, subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Uh, you heard from Ashley earlier. I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>